coming up next in The Ziggler Show. I think the biggest specific one, Kevin, was on these connection regrets. Uh, I, am, I, am, I was someone who is not typically very good at reaching out. And there's something about hearing all of these stories over and over again about people who didn't reach out and then regretted it that really changed me. And so for me, sort of if there's a habit, it's that if I'm ever at a juncture, when, whenever I'm at a juncture where I say, OK, should I reach out or should I not reach out? I've discovered that simply be arriving at that juncture answers the question yeah. <laughs> that if I'm if I'm there, then the answer is reach out. So when in doubt, reach out. So that's changed me. And that's not something that I've done a lot of in the past. Uh, I was always someone who actually bought the idea completely wrong that other people I interviewed bought, which is that, oh, if you reach out, it's going to feel awkward. And if you reach out, the person you're reaching out to isn't going to isn't going to give a darn. And those are both deeply erroneous (laughs) assumptions. Welcome to The Ziggler Show. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. This podcast has a simple premise. It's to take the age-old wisdom of self-help and personal development and break it down as to how it relates to our world today, to us today. You can dig in more with each episode at kevinmiller.co. And I'm back with New York Times bestselling author and top TED speaker, Dan Pink, to walk through his personal habits for success. And this habits show had a bit of a twist coming off of our talk in episode 969, where we discussed regrets, which is the topic of his brand new book, The Power of Regrets. I asked him how his research on regrets changed any of his habits. And what you heard in the beginning intro clip was him leading off with his top one, which was connection regrets. And now reaching out to people is something he's doing far more. And we hit on some other habits he's changed as a result of his regrets focus, such as he realized in the foundation regrets category, one of the four categories he outlined, he realized he's being too frugal. He's been too frugal over his lifetime. And I also found some irony in him citing that he lived in a busy urban area. He prefers running on a treadmill, especially since he fell on a sidewalk last time while running and now has a bent pinky. Dan Pink with a bent pinky. If you're new to Ziggler and are a coach or want to become one, let the Ziggler family empower you at Ziggler.com slash coach leadership program. And now the success habits of Dan Pink. Dan, right where we ended our first show together, I had wanted to ask you about this journey, your own journey through the regrets, through the study, and surely it altered your own perspective on your life, your habits. I want to hear how it influenced you. Well, in a lot of ways, um, you know, I think the biggest specific one, Kevin, was on these connection regrets. Uh, I am I am I was someone who is not typically very good at reaching out. And there's something about hearing all of these stories over and over again about people who didn't reach out and then regretted it that really changed me. And so for me, sort of if there's a habit, it's that if I'm ever at a juncture, when whenever I'm at a juncture where I say, OK, should I reach out or should I not reach out? I've discovered that simply be arriving at that juncture answers the question yeah. <laughs> that if I'm if I'm there, then the answer is reach out. So when in doubt, reach out. So that's changed me. And that's not something that I've done a lot of in the past. Uh, I was always someone who actually bought the idea 
completely wrong that other people I interviewed bought, which is that, oh, if you reach out, it's going to feel awkward. And if you reach out, the person you're reaching out to isn't going to isn't going to give a darn. And those are both deeply erroneous (laughs) assumptions. Yeah. Well, when you look at those areas, it's, it's worth doing the habit, my habits a little bit differently here because you have these areas. So you're talking about the connection, uh, regret on that, you know, with the, let's go to the foundation regret, the aspects of stability. When you hit that, did it bring up any areas of, man, I want to bolster something in that, or did it give you the gratitude that I'm so grateful I've been doing X, Y, Z? Yeah, you know what? That's an interesting one because on that one, I think that's the category in which I have the fewest. Okay. Um, and 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 I think that's because I've generally been a pretty, just in my like like sort of personal financial health life, I've been I've been pretty like prudent and conservative, you know, um, on, on that. Um, you know, I don't I I tend to exercise and eat re- reasonably well. Um, I was always some. I've always been like actually pretty fruit almost almost absurdly frugal in a way um so i haven't had as i haven't had as many of those i think the big takeaway for me though kevin is recognizing that with foundation with foundation regrets you know it's not for some people it's not entire it's not entirely on them it's not not on them but it's not entirely on them let me give you an example if you if you if i have a 35 year old who says oh my god i haven't been able to save any money and i learned that 45 year old 35 year old was a first generation college student who graduated from college one hundred fifty thousand dollars in debt okay that's not totally on you that's not about you know it's not like you were you were you were earning a decent salary and spending it all on sports cars and fancy restaurants right um, so so the fun the, it made me think differently about that um, but I have fewer I have fewer foundation regrets largely because I'm prudent, frugal, and conservative in well, my personal Well, life. I want to ask you, so I had you on two and a half years ago, last time we talked about your book, When, which I, I do want credit for. It's, that's it right there. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And, and, uh, I'm sure it's there. I'm sure it's there all the time, too. All the time. And so is Drive. It's right there, too. Yeah. So, uh, and as soon as we're done, I'll, I'll put the new one up there as well. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, I, I got my, I'll give a whole shelf to Dan Pink books, uh, gratefully. Sure. Well, but on that, so two and a half years on the aspect you mentioned, you know, exercise, so physical nutrition. Nutrition. I often ask people what they're doing. Anything changed, uh, if not from the book and the regrets and looking at that, just from your own habits that you've implemented some new things? Or are you pretty much doing what you were before? I think that I'm pretty much doing what I did before. Um, Do you subscribe to any specific diet or exercise regime? Not really. I, you know, for, for like, like, like for diet, I tend to be, this is totally unexciting, but I, you know, I'm not a vegetarian or a pescatarian or a vegan or anything like that. I eat pretty much everything. Um, the one thing that I have, um, uh, I tend to, I tend to, this might be a change. I tend to really uh, avoid sugar now. Yeah. Um, uh, after everything that I've read about how much extra sugar there is in all these, in, in everything. So I I tend to avoid additional sugar and I look at labels and things for sugar. I try to eat whole foods rather than processed foods as much as I can. Uh, and I do go a lot of the way toward avoiding sugar. Uh, I was pretty persuaded by some of the research that, that sugar might be a much bigger devil than fat. Fat was the big devil for 25 or 30 years. And I actually think that that sugar, particularly you know refined sugar, is 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 bad. So I, I avoid that. Um, on the on the non-health stuff, 
Uh, well, I mean, in the pandemic, I it was a great thing. And in the pandemic, I, I bought a treadmill. Oh, uh, and I might be the only person on the planet who actually likes running on a treadmill. Uh, at some level, I prefer that to running outside uh, because I live in an urban area. So when I run outside, you know, you got to watch out for traffic. Yeah. You got to watch out for I've, I've actually my my left pinky finger is crooked because I fell once running because the sidewalk had buckled. I didn't notice it and I fell and just completely destroyed my finger. Um, so I, I have a I have a treadmill downstairs. So that's a that's a habit there. Uh, I think I've done. I don't know whether I was doing this, Kevin. If you can see this, your listeners won't know, but I'm showing yeah, yeah. you a picture of my office here. Those boxes over there. Yeah. Did those? Yeah. Have you, did you see those last time? No. Okay. So so what I do there. This is an interesting. thing. I mean, I think it's interesting. So um, so a lot of times, like like I think one of the interesting one of one of the ways for. One of the things that I have to try to work out over time is, you know, I want to be intensely focused on what I'm doing now, but I don't want to lose sight on like what I might do next, you know, other kinds of projects. And so for me, and it's very hard for me to multitask. I'm not a very good multitasker. It's very hard for me to work on like six projects at the same time and shift seamlessly. I'm more of kind of a monotasker where I work on one big project at one time. But I'm inevitably will my my thoughts will occasionally go to other kinds of projects that I'm working on. And so this technique that I that I got that I have is I have these for your listeners. I have these bankers boxes. That's uh, I hope people know what that is. But you often see them in like like in law firms or for, for documents and things like that. And each of these bankers boxes out there is labeled with a project that I have in my head, a project that I might be doing next. And so, but I'm not, but I'm not working on right now. So what'll happen is, is that let's say I read something, um, uh, an article or something in a print paper, I will like rip that out and stick it in one of those boxes. Let's say that I think of something. I sometimes scribble a note and stick it in that box. Let's say I hear about a book that is related to that. I might order that book, not even read it, like literally just get it, stick it in that box and, and I've done and, and so and, and the purpose of that is that when I've gone to look at these things suddenly it's almost like someone else has been collecting information for me because if you just so so, so like I, if, I, if I see something I'm like oh I can't deal with this right now but this could actually relate to this other thing I just stick it in that box and then almost like magic in six months I go into the box and I'm like wow who put all this stuff in here this is awesome um, so that's one technique that I do. It's sort of like an analog Evernote in a way. <laughs> I was, okay, I was just going to go there because I yeah. just last week, uh, or two weeks ago, started Evernote for the exact same reason. Yeah. I have so many resources for so many projects, yeah. and I'm trying to do that there. And I use Evernote too. It's just that there's something about this that, I don't know, it's, 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 it's somewhat, it, yeah, it's tactile. It's easier for me. Uh, I also do. I also do this kind of stuff in um, in um, in. You know, I have various kinds of drop. I'll have a lot of Dropbox folders and things yeah. like that. For me, like the big habit when it comes to ideas and projects is to get ideas, get these things out of your head into a system, out of your head into a system. Yeah. And so, um, and so, I have a lot of mechanisms at work to get things out of my head into a system because I'm such a bad multitasker. Like, you know, like I want to focus on, you know, like on this interview, I don't want to think about 600 other things that I have to do, particularly if 400 of them aren't going to start for a while. But I also don't want to lose a thought, an idea, 
a resource. And so for me, just having the ability to get things out of my head into a system is incredibly important. Well, and you're speaking to things that you are, you know, new things, which we talked about in the first show about how that is difficult because your chances for regret, you know, are higher, uh, are so high with those boldness regrets on that ratio, would you say, even if you've learned to start things, you've written so many books, you've done those. Are you more, do you fall more on the secure or the stability side or on the taking chances side, the boldness regret side? Um, it depends. Okay. Um, you know, I, I actually think that in some level, sort of looking back at my life, I haven't been bold enough. Um, because I've been this, you know, just sort of fairly frugal and, um, and, uh, conservative in, in how I operate my life. I mean, so, so for instance, I've been working for myself for over 20 years. I have never had an office outside of my home. I've never paid rent to anybody else. Um, and that's part because I, I like low overhead and I like, you know, I like that frugality. Um, and I think that adds to the stability. Um, but 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 in some ways these are these boxes here are at, at some level I hadn't thought about it explicitly until you mentioned it are in some ways you know boxes that will help me anticipate future regrets. Yeah, yeah, I like the preparation. So you're back to the foundation aspect yeah. uh, of that. You know, so I'm curious. One of the ones that I often ask about is you know the mental habits, the things we do to keep ourselves mentally where we want to be. If I'm correct, and I don't have the book here right with me, but one of the guys I'm having uh, on the show, Ethan Cross, his book, yeah. um, Chatter. I think yeah, very you, good book. Well, I think you wrote a you wrote something in there. You wrote a testimony. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a very good book in there. And so it got me thinking about that, the mental aspect and dealing with the. Cl- You're talking about clutter there. So, are some is that one of the things that you do to help your mental health? Is declutter in essence? Get out of get rid of Absolutely. the chatter. Okay. I hate I hate clutter. Even though my office doesn't look that neat. It, it is, it is, it is uncluttered and I, I hate clutter. I hate mental clutter. I hate physical clutter. Uh, it makes me, it makes me uneasy. And so, but again, if you, if you just develop these habits to get it out of your head into a system. So there are other, so there are other kinds of things that I, so I have something that I call a spark file okay. where if I have an idea of any kind, most of them are crappy ideas. I just, I have a running long document and I just write it down there. So let's say I think of like a, a title for a book. I don't even know what the book is. I'll just put it on there and then I'll come back to this spark file periodically and I'll, and I'll realize when I come back to them that most of these ideas are terrible. Yeah. Um, and, but every once in a while there's a good one on there uh, that, I, that I might have lost if I didn't have a system to get it out of my head and onto this, into this capturing tool. I want to ask on these as much as I want to hear about you specifically, your personal life in these, some of that we mentioned on on the previous show, we hit on faith-based aspects and spiritual things. Did that come up much in your research on regrets? Because I don't remember seeing much about it in the book. uh, There were some. uh, There were were some people who, um, there were some people uh, particularly who who said that they, they, regretted not living as faithful a life as they could have, which I think was a proxy for certain kinds of moral regrets. Okay. That yeah. is that, 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 that maybe they, they, you know, I mean, again, not to overanalyze or oversimplify, but they were, you know, probably violating some of the 10 commandments. They were, you know, they, they were 
they were cheating on their spouse or they were lying or they were doing things that 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 weren't that didn't exemplify their faith. There were some I, there, there's one in the book, um, I think, of a woman who but one of, of many who her regret was not teaching faith to her kids enough. Interesting. Um, and, and feeling like she let her kids go uh, too far, uh, sort of th- that her kids didn't have a grounding in faith. And she regretted her inaction of doing that. But at the same time, there were there were people who regretted. Uh, there were not a lot of these uh, in, in any of these, but there were also people who regretted, say, not leaving organized religion, say they were brought up in a certain kind of organized religious tradition. And they said, this is not for me. And they but they felt ashamed to leave, leave it because it was a betrayal of their family and perhaps a betrayal of God. And it took them a while to reckon with that. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and my habits episode with bestselling author Dan Pink. We'll be right back. You know, on this vein, I'm now curious on asking a similar question in regards to health, let's say, because that was one of the big ones on the foundational side, people yeah. having regrets yeah. for health. So you're talking about, again, this wasn't deathbed regrets. I want to point that out. If folks, if you haven't heard of the yeah. first show, this is not deathbed regrets. This is a wide swath of uh, of people. When they looked at it, where's people saying, I, I regret where I have gotten myself to yeah. at this point, primarily health-wise. Yeah, we're we're in a terrible pandemic of ill health, chronic illness and disease. Absolutely. And I think that, again, that's so. So what you have is you exactly as you say, Kevin, what you have is you have people who they almost sometimes use the exact same language to say, you know, I looked up one day and I was 51 years old and like, uh, you know, overweight and deeply unhealthy. And it didn't happen. You know, it happened. It didn't happen immediately. It happened gradually, then suddenly. And like that's a big problem and that's yeah. going to take a while to undo now but again you know if you're 51 and unhealthy you can do something about that again you know there's this very cliche chinese pop proverb that says you know, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago the second best time is today today yeah and so and so you you know so if you have those if you have some of these foundation regrets about decisions you made earlier in your life that have compromised the stability of your life, it's very hard to undo. You can't correct that fully now, but you can start today to put aside $5 a week. You can start today to every day, you know, not to run a marathon, but to take a walk around the block twice a day. You know, you can do things. And, and when you feel that pang of regret, remember, regret clarifies and it instructs. It's telling you what you value and it's giving you teaching on what to do next. You mentioned for yourself that the connection regret was significant for you or stood out somewhat family and friends. So again, in your research here, was there more people regretting? I regret that I have not connected. I have not reached out. I have not kept in touch with people. Uh, was that primary or was there also maybe some regret of relationships people stayed in? Oh, interesting. Yeah, there were some, there were some regrets about people uh, staying in relationships. Definitely. Um, um, and, and those were, that's interesting because to me, that's almost living at the border of, of boldness and connection. Um, that is a lot of those were really regrets about, Asserting oneself, yeah, uh, about being true to oneself, about about speaking up. 
What about, so mental is, is one of the spokes as well. And we know, speaking of chronic illness and disease, you know, anxiety, depression, were there some of the regrets of the mental state people had allowed themselves to stay in the worry that they had lived in? Uh, so, so two different, so, so, so two different things there. One of them is, um, there were a lot of people, a lot who, who, whose regret, it was a foundation regret that they didn't get help, medical help for their mental health problems. Interesting. A lot like that. Um, in terms of worry, now worry is interesting because you have, you know, certainly the medical problem of anxiety and that is a, um, you know, there are there are there are medicines and there are physicians who treat that disorder. I think that for some people, though, things are not fully medicalized because they, they become medicalized because they don't have a way to interrupt it in their own behavior. And so this is the point about that. That is, if you ruminate, if you if you don't know how to deal with negative emotions, it's right. possible that you can tip into a serious mental health problem, a medical problem. But if you have the tools, and especially at a younger age, to deal with negative emotions, to process them, then I think you're less likely to tip into those you know, medical problems. Well, and again, I'm going to call people, if you did not hear our first show together, we talked specifically about negative emotions and the power that they can have if done well, not stewing in negativity. Exactly, yeah. But no, stewing is stewing is really bad. The problem is that we haven't given people an alternative beyond yeah. ignoring or stewing. Okay. And what we need to do is systematically teach people how do you how do you confront these things? How do you reframe your 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 negative emotions? How do you uh, make sense of them? Yeah. How do you extract lessons from them? Finances. Now you talked about again going through this kind of made you grateful for the things that you have done finan- uh, foundationally financially. But if we look at again people's regrets in this area, the spoke in essence, were we would think most people are regretting. You've mentioned that that they had not saved money, but were there also some on people that wish they had done more to make money? They had again taken a boldness risk. It's interesting. Yeah, most of the boldness regrets were not about making money. Okay. They were more about the action itself. Um, um, that 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 seemed to be more, that seemed to be more common. Okay. Um, the 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 foundation regrets on finance were really about prudence, about conscientiousness. Um, the the boldness regrets were really about the action itself. People were people weren't to say, "Oh, I regret I'm not rich." They said, "Ugh." They really were saying, I regret I stayed in this lackluster job because what I really wanted to do was go out on my own, but I didn't have the guts. Well, and it kind of speaks to that. Now, to the deathbed regrets, that was an interesting one to me that a big one was, I wish I had not worked so much. I don't even know if it said worked hard, but so much. There were, there were a few of those. Okay. There, there, and there, there, there were actually more than a few. And those were really, to me, those are really about connections because mm. it was the opportunity cost. Right. The thing is that people weren't, reg- and, and those kinds of regrets, people weren't regretting so much that they spent so much, so much time in the office. What they were really regretting is they spent so much time in the office instead of with people they loved. Right. Uh, in, in particular, they spent time in an office that they might not have liked um, and that might not have been fulfilling. And that might not have answered the call for boldness. And the sacrifice that they made in doing that was not spending time with people they love. I think that, that I think that that's what those kinds of regrets are about. Career. Now, with that one, I'll ask you personally, was that one that you looked at in gratitude for the career 
pathway that you've taken. And maybe even as we talked about that aspect of regret can deepen the meaning that was that a time for you to consider, man, what if I had not done this? What if I had not written that first book? I don't know how much I've thought about that. I mean, I actually have I actually have a decent number of professional regrets. And what mm. I've tried to do is I've tried to learn from them okay. to do better. Um, you know, um, you know, I'm I, I'm trying to make progress and just become a better version of myself. And yeah. one way to do that is to look back and reckon with with mistakes that I've made. And the career mistakes that I've made, the professional mistakes that I've made have generally fallen into two big camps. One of them is that um, is that. I often would enter into, like when I was younger, would enter into projects or whatever, uh, uh, jobs or whatever, with making too many assumptions about what it was really like there Mm. Um, and not actually doing the due diligence and investigating what it's really like there and assuming I knew more. I mean, again, this is not like the biggest regret in my life, but I think about something like law school. I went to law school, but here's the thing, it's embarrassing. I never visited a law school. I never sat in on a law school class. I never talked to a lawyer about what they did. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. I just had these assumptions. And so, and so, um, and then the other thing that I realize uh, in, in some mistakes that I make, which goes into my monotasking propensity, is that some of my career mistakes, professional mistakes, were because I would agree to do something that I wasn't 100% behind. Right. And so I would do it in sort of a half-hearted way, and that never worked. That, that never works. Um, and so I, 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 I learned that. Most of my gratitude, though, comes not I, I don't think much about gratitude in the professional sense. I think about gratitude in the in the personal sense a lot. Yeah. And folks, if you heard him talking about being a lawyer, if you type in Dan Pink TED Talk, uh, yeah, you start off with with a story there that uh, it's worth hearing. And I, I, matter of fact, yeah, people do that. I may put that in the intro. Check out if you haven't before Dan Pink uh, TED Talk. You know, and on the career aspect, and you mentioned this a couple times, I think in the first show that you know people might have regretted not you know starting that business or whatnot but how many regrets were around maybe not even how much we talked about that how much somebody worked but where they worked if they stayed in that job if they didn't start that business what were the top headlines there um well they they were they were mostly they're mostly about i think taking a chance answering the what if question and being true to oneself yeah i think that that's what mostly they were they weren't about a particular industry or anything like that they were really about you know, um, at some level, I think they were about potential. Like I didn't really test the height of my potential. Okay. Well, the last spoke that we used to talk about is personal. So on the personal side, any new habits that you've put in on per- just the self-care, the play, the fun, did this pull you, you know, even your regrets focus here, pull you to, you know, I want to invest more in some of these things that inspire me. Um, well, as I mentioned, I mentioned the, I mentioned the, um, the connection regrets and the, and the idea of, of reaching out. In terms of the personal side, I think that the one thing that I have really begun to, has nothing to do with regret, uh, is that um, I found I really like walking, like going out for walks. Like I find myself like sometimes walking like three miles a day, sometimes with my wife, sometimes alone, along with doing exercise. I don't consider walking exercise. I consider yeah. walking meditation for people who, like me, who can't sit still. 
Yeah. <laughs> I've noticed that as you're bouncing in the seat there. Yeah. And hey, thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for sharing uh, your research, sharing the behind the scenes on uh, your own life and, and the inside. It's inspiring. Kevin, what a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed it. You can find all things Dan at his website, danpink.com, and get his new book, The Power of Regrets, anywhere you find books. Coming up next in Ziegler's show, episode 972, I asked, what influenced you to be in the job and career you're now in? And the question itself set a lot of people back and realizing exactly why they were doing what they were doing. For some, it seemed very divine. For others, not so much. And it was an interesting conversation with Tom Ziegler to talk through the comments and look at the reasons we pursued and are pursuing the vocations that we are in and how we can benefit from really an audit. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.